1: Hello and welcome to Vavel UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. In association with the Sports Social Network, I'm your host, Alex Wood. This week, I'm joined by Harry Roy. No down this week, as he pulled up in training, but he'll be back fresh <laughs> and map fit for our recap of the weekend's action in next week's podcast. As always, plenty to talk about with this football club, but let's first get started in something that's just ended. Preseason. Harry, how did you think pre-season went? Uh, did it go how Eddie wanted it to go, or did it was it a little bit of hit and miss?
0: I mean, firstly, it's nice to be the, the guest as opposed to being the host. I mean, I think it's like 40-odd podcasts in a row now where I've hosted. I thought, we'll switch it up ahead of the new season. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hand Alex over the reins for this week. Um, I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job, but, um, I'm honoured, honestly honoured. <laughs> yeah, i just thought, you know, let's change it up. And we thought we'd have Dan here, but like Alex said, he, he's pulled up in training. And um, so we, we think it's just a slight knock and he'll be, he'll be back and available for the next episode. Uh, in terms of pre-season, I mean, to be honest, mate, I think we've, it, we've had it a lot worse. I can remember some pretty bad pre-seasons and this has been all right in terms of the locations where we've been. It's been a little bit of a European tour and uh, being over to Austria uh, for a week, I think it was a week or two weeks, and then uh, Portugal for for a game against Benfica. So, yeah, I think all around, I mean, in terms of pre-season results, I think it was, in terms of the games played, it's got six official games. We played seven because of um, the match against Burnley was behind closed doors. Um, two losses and the rest being wins. I mean, the defeats came against Mainz, which, to be honest, was a game we dominated. Um, then they sucker punched us with a goal, one of those things. And the loss against Benfica, uh, <laughs> that referee, Alex. I don't know whether you want to talk about him. well uh, that game was that was anything but a friendly. It was. It felt like a Champions League final watching it.
1: It was honestly brutal, and I. We were all discussing privately behind closed doors about Joe Linton just not giving a a, a care that it's a friendly. We all and, said, didn't we? Uh, we like, said because
0: the first half, um obviously he wasn't on the pitch, and he came on for the second half. I think we all put in the group chat. He's going to get sent off, or he's going to break someone's ankle. And I think he stood stood on someone's ankle and got sent off. So it's just yeah. so predictable. It,
1: he was he, he was a man on fire this preseason, and that honestly, like, um, what did we call him? We called him the 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 Portuguese John Moss. I think it was, wasn't it? <laughs> like it was it, it was the it referee. Was just so yeah, bad, was... yeah. He was so bad. He may as well have been and...
0: wearing a Benfica top while he was refereeing. <laughs>
1: But no, obviously, and there's no shame in losing against Benfica. No. They were
0: a they were top class side. I mean, they got to a Champions absolutely. League. Was it a quarter final or a semi final they got to? Um, quarterfinals, I think it was. Quarterfinals, oh, absolutely yeah. Absolutely no shame. I mean, you could tell that the, the golfing quality. Um, I mean, we weren't far off them, but you could see they were a very, very good side. They were well drilled. And playing over in Portugal as well, it was a big crowd, hostile atmosphere. I think it's only gonna do them the world of good and I know they lost the game, but I don't think they'll have felt like a defeat. Do you know what I mean? It was you know, it was a pre season match ultimately, but they didn't get hammered as as such. I wouldn't say it was a it wouldn't say it was a bad display. They didn't deserve to lose the match. Um but they, they built on that didn't they? I mean, the the two games we had at home I thought were really, really promising. and um, two yeah. different squads over uh, two different days, uh Atalanta and Athletic Bilbao, a one 0 win and a two will win respectfully. I mean like when you think of it, they're, they're, they're sides that are going to be top six, top seven in their in their countries. They're no slouches, and Newcastle beat them both. I mean, that's that's a huge confidence booster, isn't it?
1: Especially the uh, the Atlanta one because they are a Champions League side. Like, as you said, they they have been dominating Italy over these past couple of years with their high press and their absolutely just constant berating of you. You never get a second away from from Atlanta, and to to beat them with. What we can both say safely is a rotated squad. Yeah, like it's exceptional that that has actually happened, and that we've got this depth. Even though, like when Atlanta weren't playing their strongest side either, they had some big hitters out there, but there were still some key players that were missing. Um, The Atlético Bilbao one, though, was the was the one that was the most most like. Appealing for me, not only because the crowd was absolutely fantastic, um, as always, um, but the fact that wall flags were there with the, with displays at both games as well. And it, it, it was really nice to see Alan St. Maximan be direct for once and absolutely just show the the class that he can against superior opposition. Because uh, we've seen him do it against Burnley's, we've seen him do it against the Southamptons, but like. To see him do it against sides that will be playing in Europe next season, it was really nice. But I, I did want to ask, who was the one player
0: that's really like stood out for you over pre-season? Elliot Anderson, for me, to be honest. I mean, we all, I think we've all secretly known that this lad's going to be a player, and I mean, it's from what you hear from inside the club, they. They recognise that he's probably the best prospect the club has had, probably even since Andy Carroll. I, you know, he's, he's I think he's rated even higher than the Longstaff, brothers who obviously transitioned into Premier League football at the club. And um, but you could just tell he's got some confidence about him. He's a real class act, and you know Eddie Howe it seems is, is going to keep him around this season as opposed to loaning him out. I mean, this lad only played six months in League Two, tore it up. You would probably think the next step is to go and play Championship, maybe League One. But Eddie Howe's the judge of him, and he thinks he's now on Premier League ready in some capacity. So it's fantastic news for the club and for him. I mean, he's he's been he's been really really good. Um, scored in the behind closed doors game, I believe, against Burnley. Um, but that Atalanta game, he was the, the the real pick of the bunch and was a, was a real class act. So no, I think it's um, it's great. I mean, who do you think, Alex? Because I mean, I think Anderson's the easy one, but I think there's been quite a few that have that have really impressed. Can... Like. <laughs>
1: It, it hurts me to say it, it really doesn't. Go Dan's not here, he's not here. So I can I, I can say it and hopefully he won't, he won't understand. Emil Craftsman. Yes, Emil. Emile's been, emil has <laughs> been, been unreal. Um, Like he, he has come back, he looks, he looks fitter. He looks hencher, like uh, built stronger. <laughs> yeah. And I, you can tell that like having competition for his place and Trippier being there, has really made him up his game. And you can tell that during pre-season and the way that Eddie and that have really got to him there is is great. The, the honorable mention that I, I like, I'm, I'm not surprised either of us didn't mention because he often gets overlooked. Miguel Amoron's also been yeah, I mean, at, like on all cylinders. Absolutely. Like he's been amazing. If he can go anywhere like that in into the regular season, then that, that would be absolutely phenomenal. But with the regular season coming straight up, Last time we were here on on this podcast, we were talking about transfers, and you said it yourself: the club will definitely sign a winger and a striker. Well, that's coming up thick and fast, and we still haven't got anybody. Um, the The latest addition that's come this week, and with two rejected bids, uh, one for rumored forty million, and the second one rumored forty five million, um, is for Leicester City's James Madison. Um, Harry, first of all. Do you think he's a good addition? Um,
0: and why is the answer yes? Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, it would be nothing short of a phenomenal signing for the club. It would be a real statement signing. And to kind of compare this, when you look at the transition of, of Manchester City when they brought their new owners in, and a lot of people like to mirror that with Newcastle. And I think everybody, when it wasn't when Rubinho signed for Man City, it was when people started to wake up to all right, these lot are serious. It was when they brought in Gareth Barry from Aston Villa, and I think this is a very, very similar signing. I mean, he's very unlucky to not have been called up to the England squad in the in the last team that was that was brought out. He he's a he's a goal scorer. He can take free kicks. He's got a great range of passing. Everything about his game is fantastic. And the great part about it is he's in his prime years. He's only twenty five. He's only going to get better. I mean, for me, you can look back at all tweet receipts. I actually tweeted in 2018 when he was at Norwich that I wanted, I wanted Newcastle to sign James Madison. And honestly, for, for the price that I think it seems that Leicester are holding out for around 60, I'd pay it. When you look at the market at the minute, I mean, Mark Kukurea, great, you know, he's a good left-back, but Chelsea are, are set to pay 53 million pounds for him. James Madison for 60 or Kukurea for 53? <laughs> There's only one bargain there and it's Madison
1: hundred percent, and like you know, when you are buying Leicester City players, that you've kind of got to pay a Leicester tax. You've got to play this premium rate to get them. Look at look at the players they've sold and the rates they've sold them for. Um, the the outstanding one is obviously Harry Maguire for eighty million pounds. We all know they hoodwinked Manchester United for that one. They're rating for Fano around about the same price because Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal, and I, I think I even saw um a Juventus all in inquiring to Leicester about these players and they're like well no this is the price you have to pay and I think that could be why they haven't necessarily bought people in this summer either now everybody's saying their lack of signings is really a statement that they're not ready to move forward I completely disagree Brendan Rodgers has been one of the coaches that works with the unit that he's got and always makes them better Um, now I don't know what you think Carrie, but the other thing that was said, and this is this is even more heartbreaking, and I can't believe I'm going to say it. This is twice in a podcast I'm going to ruin <laughs> myself. One, thinking that Emile Craft's brilliant. The second, agreeing with Danny Murphy on Talksport. I can't believe it. James Madison should be looking at a more progressive club. Leicester could be taking that step back this season if they do, because last season was definitely a failure for them. You 100% agree it, don't you?
0: Yeah, I mean Leicester's a difficult one to be honest. Because I mean, look, they've always had that ambition to push for push for Europe in in some respect. I mean, look, they won the title; they were never ever going to stay there. But they they qualify for Europe consistently. They were always in. They broke the top six up essentially, and now it seems that West Ham have took their place. They they had the Conference League last year. They put all their eggs in that basket. Fell up short, and then had a lot of injuries. But you know, still finished solidly in top ten. So you 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 don't expect that Leicester are going to have that many injuries this season, but I think the concern is, probably for their supporters, is they've not really strengthened that team at all. I mean, Adam Ola-Luckman had a decent season there, I thought, last year. He's a, he's a solid squad player, available for around £15 million. They've not signed him, and I think the only reason they've signed him, well, not signed him, is because of... It they, they, they seems that they have to shift players off the off the market. I mean, have, have they hit the ceiling in terms of their... Expenditure and you know FFP, it seems to you know it seems to affect only fourteen clubs in England. Unfortunately, Leicester are one of them, so maybe they're in a situation where they need to sell to progress once again. But the problem with them is if they sell James Madison to Newcastle, they're probably selling to one of their main competitors for that European spot. So they're in a bit of a rock and a hard place, really. Um, but I think Leicester—it's it's a really, really interesting team to keep an eye on this season because so I think. They could surprise everyone and you know be back in that top six, or they could fall off and Brendan Rodgers is sacked. It could go either way, but I just feel at the minute they're they're in a situation where with Madison, they're probably better off keeping him and resisting the bids because if they lose him, they're sacrificing their chances of you know pushing for that maybe seventh or sixth spot.
1: How much does G- like Madison himself play a factor in this one here? If he says, "Well, I want to go." Does that kind of force Leicester's hand here?
0: Absolutely. I mean, look, he's only got two years left on his contract. That's the, the the big thing here, and that's why you know you think a sixty million bid is is more than enough for him. I mean, it, ultimately it's up to Leicester how much they want for him. But if Madison turns around and says, "I'm not signing a new deal here. I want to leave," then you probably feel that Leicester want to do a deal with Newcastle. I don't see him personally signing a new contract. There, I mean, look, he's 25. His deal's going to run out when he's 26, 27. If he signs a new deal there, which it will be a, probably a four or five year extension, he is committing his future to Leicester. I just don't see that happening. So it's up to the club really, that they want to sell now for, for 60 million. If the player wants to go and doesn't want to sign a new deal, or are they happy to you know let him go for 35, 30 million next season and he gets a move to a club that's fighting in the Champions League? I think it's all down to the player is is probably the the short answer there. And Newcastle
1: know they can wait and have shown they can wait for these players that they want. So if if we don't get Madison now and we come back 12 months later, is that something that you can necessarily see us doing? Because it's happened. We, We did it with Botman. We did it with... Any number of the players that we were looking at this summer, Ekatike as well, and Carlos. Yes, we got pipped to the punch on Carlos by Villa. Ekatike wanted to sign for the best, best club in France, and we got Botman. So, like, we can wait.
0: If we don't get Madison now, do you think we'll go back in for him? It's hard to say, really, to be honest. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to whether the ownership is willing to break the transfer record for James Madison. It's whether the player wants to come. It's, you know, that's probably the biggest factor, but it seems that from what we're hearing that he's he's quite interested in the move, whether that's his agent pushing that narrative out. We do not know, but yeah, look, they, they can wait for him. It depends how fast Newcastle want to speed their process up here of qualifying for Europe. If they start the season, great. Look, if we, you know, our first five games, we've got Man City and Liverpool and three teams, I think, is it, you know, we've got Forest, Crystal Palace, I think, Bournemouth, a few others. If we can win those games and get, a, get one point out of Liverpool and Man City, All of a sudden, everyone's going on. Newcastle got a fantastic chance of Europe. Do they even need James Madison? So I think it's time will tell with this one. Um, But I do think if Madison is going to sign for Newcastle, it's going to be a one that's going to be done at the end of the month.
1: Newcastle United's first five fixtures for those that um, don't have Google ready to to hand for, um, uh, like myself. Um, We've got Nottingham Forest at home. Brighton away. Manchester City at home. uh, Wolves away. And Liverpool at uh, away as well at Anfield, and that is all before the deadline. Um, So that could be very, very good because obviously, as you said there, Harry, if if we get a win against Forest on Saturday, pick up a point, pick up a result against Brighton, which is very tricky away at the Amex, um, get either a point at Man City at home or Liverpool away, beat Wolves, then yeah, uh, people are going to be looking at us in, in a different light and. That definitely brand new start is always, always there. Um, before, we the, it, first, before we get yeah, into yeah, it, before we get
0: into it, I just want to kind of address the transfer window because I just think that, I think there's a lot of fans that are actually getting quite frustrated at the minute, and I kind of just want to like calm everyone down. I don't know whether you're the same because, I, yeah, it's it's because I think a lot of people are getting annoyed, especially today at the time of recording. Uh, Maxwell Corner, who was reportedly a target for. Uh, for Newcastle this summer is, is on his way to, to West Ham for £17.5 million. Pounds. A lot of people are getting annoyed at the club, you know, maybe lowballing for players, like, you know, bidding 40 45 million for Madison. Are they ever going to accept that? Probably not. What do you think on the, the, the policy? Because it does seem that they are operating in a budget as such and aren't willing to break the bank for top-level footballers.
1: We've known this since day one. Yeah. Like, what? This was... <laughs> This was said the minute Amanda said it in a sit-down interview when she took over the club. We're not going to spend every penny we have on footballers that will leave us in two years. Eddie has had that brief since day one. Like we have, a, for example, Brentford have very, very clearly said they do not want any idiots in their football club. I use the word idiot slightly. <laughs> um, you guys can all, all guess what I'm saying there. begins you, with a D. They don't. It, it begins with a D, ends in an S. There's a word head in there somewhere. Like you don't want any of these people in the in your club. Eddie Howe has this same policy. He's got it. He's got a good team dynamic here. We can very clearly see that. Like. Some of the training videos from Austria was immense. Like you saw, Callum Wilson taking the absolute mick out of a male craft because he had to jump in a pool. Like you, you saw Bruno just nutmegging random people left, right, and centre with Joe Linton, absolutely wetting himself. The team dynamic is here. Why is Eddie Howe going to upset that by absolutely breaking the bank on mercenaries that want an absolute load of money because they've heard that Newcastle are owned by a Saudi Arabian like PCP Capital? Why, why are we going to be doing that? That's never ever been the situation of this football club it's never the way that anyone wants to work and you think dan ashworth of formerly of brighton is going to go yeah now i've got all this money i'm going to just spend it left right and center that's not the man that is there either they brighton fans can tell us in the comments or tell any Newcastle united fan stop it dan's never done this with us he's not going to do it with you yeah, they can go. Oh, well, yeah, well, we spent £25 million on Neil Morpai. Yeah, well, we spent £40 million on Joe Linton. Like, calm down, lads. Like, everyone makes mistakes, right? Chili beans. Just everybody, they know what they're doing, right? Yeah, calm I the down. Big thing is, please. Is, I think
0: the big thing is just to trust them, do you know what I mean? I mean, look, not every. I think we all, in an ideal world, would have loved us to go and spend £65 million on James Madison because it's not our money, do you know what I mean? But the, the club. To be fair, in terms of their transfer business so far, have not put a foot wrong. I mean, even, I know people go, Chris Wood, Chris Wood. I feel that effectively relegated Burnley. In all fairness, and that was a direct rival that was in January. So they, they've not made a mistake so far in, in the in the transfer window. They've not overpaid for players. Maybe Wood is probably the only exception, but it was one of those deals that they had to get done. They had to get a striker in. You know, everyone knows the crack. Do you know what I mean? So I just uh, think yeah, yeah, just just trust them. I think look, Newcastle will sign one or two players before the end of the transfer window. There is no doubt about that. He can take stock of the squad. We can look by the end of the month. And if Callum Wilson's picked up an injury, then we know it to accelerate the chase for a forward, that sort of thing. But make no mistake about it, though, Alex, I do think we need to sign one or two more players. I do think we are still a little bit light going forward. And I think if... Yeah, I know what I got slated for this. I don't tweet about my views on Newcastle anymore, especially if they're in somewhat controversial because you just get far too much abuse. But um, I do think that if the if the ambition is to push for 7th this year, that team at the minute isn't gonna cut.
1: No. That team right now with a fully fit Callum Wilson is ninth. A hundred percent.
0: I think if Wilson stays fit all season, they'll be they'll be in and around it, but let's let's be real, it's just not gonna happen, is it? I mean he no. Wilson's probably going to play between twenty and twenty eight games this season. You're gonna be missing you yep. you're, you're gonna lose him for a for a chunk of that period. So that's why Eckertge, I, I think, would have been perfect. It would have been a good move, but look. We didn't get him. So I think they've they've looked, and, and it, it does seem to me that, and not to sound too overly cocky about Maxwell Coney and the deal from going to West Ham, I think if Newcastle wanted him, they would have got him, in all fairness, um, with obviously Bruno being here, Nick Pope and Chris Wood, his former teammates, that sort of thing. But I think it all, at the minute, in terms of the rumours about Madison, it seems to me that the club are going to look to bring in a marquee signing over the yeah. between 30 and 60 million quid. But I mean, murder I put a tweet out, I think a week before we signed Sven Botman saying, patience, a week later we got Sven Botman. So look, we've got a good squad. Let's all enjoy the season. And I think, you know, we can all just kind of enjoy this ride. It doesn't look like the club are going to be fighting relegation for the first time and God knows how long. So let's just take it all in our stride and let's just see how high we finish on the table.
1: How many, like, I... How many pre seasons and how many season? A uh, couple of days before the season starts. Obviously, we're recording this on the uh, on the actual Thursday before the the season properly starts, and Newcastle get their game underway on um, Saturday against Nottingham Forest at St James's Park. But how many seasons would we have gone? Yeah, let's just have a bar in thirteenth. We're nowhere near the we're nowhere near the relegation zone. When we win a couple of big six games and we finish 12th, 13th. how about that? No, this season it's not that. This season it's, let's go top half. If we get into Europe, big up. But we have to show progression from last season and kick on from what Eddie did there. And I can't think of arguably a worse worse way to start that than Nottingham Forest (laughs) on Saturday. A newly promoted team. A little bit of history for Newcastle United as well. They've only ever played one other newly promoted side in the Premier League era and um this is nottingham forest um harry i will give you 3 points if you can guess who the other
0: one was what on the open day yeah um can you give me like within a 5 year span here in terms of seasons are we going way back in the seasons uh no, it is it is absolutely ancient it's ancient
1: <laughs> i'm right not okay. going to lie to you. Um, it's absolutely ancient i'll lie to you there, blackpool it is not blackpool
0: it really? is not blackpool uh, it, it is Coventry City. I was gonna say Blackpool or Preston, so I was nowhere near, but anyways. Yeah. Good good stuff. Coventry stat, City. Good stat, good stat. Uh, very good start.
1: Um, anyway, now I, I've gotta carry one thing over into the season. Dan's is that he, he absolutely adores Emile Kraft. Yep. Um, mine is that I've got some good stats and yours I I, I don't know what yours is. Yours is <laughs> I used to just back
0: good. Dan up with Emil Kraft to be fair, so
1: I think I'll that's just I'll jump it, on that it, one with him. There we are. Um Anyway, speaking of Notting Forest, they obviously got promoted via the playoffs last season. Steve Cooper is their manager. They've signed 12 footballers <laughs> and um, have obviously got Jesse Lingard, who Newcastle were at one point linked to. They are not paying him £200,000. That was a ludicrous rumour. Anyone that believed that really doesn't know football. Like, they weren't going to be paying him £200,000 a week, were they? It's not far That off was it, really. It's one hundred and twenty-five pounds with bonuses that possibly might take it to 200 if he does all those things, which I think one of them is, like, score four goals. So, yeah. So no, he's, getting he's, gonna... <laughs> he's, he's getting 200 he's grand a week. He's getting 200 grand a week. But, Harry, how do you see us faring against a newly promoted side, our good preseason, they're a little bit shaky one, and so many
0: new faces in their camp. It's not an ideal opening day game. And if I had to pick... You know, that was probably the one newly promoted team I wouldn't want to face, was Forrest. And it's not that I'm frightened of them. It's not in terms of the personnel. I just think, like you see with newly promoted sides when they come up is, firstly, no one's played against them before. You don't know how to handle them. They've got 12 new players. A lot of them are going to be starting. They're just a bit of an unknown, really. And they've got a fantastic manager in Steve Cooper who's done a great job getting into the Premier League. They've added some quality that quality to that side. You know, it's going to be like, I'm about to Big edit, it's gonna be a bit like a cup final for them. I mean, look, it's their first game back in the Premier League for god knows how long. You know, they they're, they're gonna be loud and proud at the top of level seven in the away end, so look, it's gonna be a real boisterous atmosphere. But would Forrest have wanted to play Newcastle away on the opening day? I doubt it. It's probably one of the last games they would have wanted as well. We've got a relish that I mean we've got fantastic home form. We've lost one game since December at St James's Park, which was against you know, was against Liverpool, which look to be fair, I think they beat everyone in the Premier League. <laughs> So look, I think in terms of how we'll fare in the game, I expect Newcastle to win the match and, and win it relatively comfortably. But I wouldn't be surprised if they lost the game. That's just the unknown, isn't it, of a, of a side coming up, especially a team like Forest who have been out of the league for so long.
1: They're a really strange side as well because they were one of these teams in the Championship last season that literally came out of nowhere. There's mm. always that one team towards the end of the end of the season that has absolutely unbelievable form and is great for six months. And then they don't get promoted because they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Now, Forrest won the playoffs, so ended up coming up. So they, they kind of are the we're just happy we're here side. And that yeah. is exceptionally scary. As you said, Steve Cooper is piped as the next the next Graham Potter, the next Eddie Howe. All of these he's a fantastic manager. He's brilliant. He's done wonders with that forest side. And some of the signings they've they've made, Jesse Lingard, albeit are scary. But this Newcastle United team are still flowing. They're still thriving. There's not been any shake to disrupt this rhythm. Why should it happen again? We're we're behind a what is gonna be a sellout crowd if it already hasn't yeah, sold, it's been out, sold out. That, for- quite a while (laughs) quite an absolute while War flags are going to do an absolutely unbelievable display it's going to send goosebumps around everybody's system um and it is going to be absolutely phenomenal it's a massive game for us too it's the first season without mike ashley that
0: we're starting that's a lovely that's lovely that though isn't it i mean that's just the first time i've kind of like let that sink in of like all of my years supporting newcastle i mean for from all I can remember is the Ashley era so to be going into this into this new season with you know ambition of you know pushing for a, for a European place is lovely with a with a great manager in charge a, f- a fan base United well probably not on Twitter but <laughs> United in the stadium it's, it's going to be yeah it's going to be really really good and like I said before I expect I expect Newcastle to win the game uh, when you look at the two sides on paper Newcastle have a better side than Nottingham Forest arguably nearly in every single position so it, it, the writing there, you you would predict a home victory, and I do expect that. But you know, Forest are uh, certainly gonna. You know, it's not gonna be a, a walk in the park, is it?
1: Absolutely not. And no, they're to play the old absolute niche that's dead and buried and Go on. beat like a old drum. There's no easy game in the
0: Premier League. Absolutely not. No, definitely. They're not. here for a
1: reason. Like yeah. they might be happy to be here, but they're here for a reason, right? As we always do with every every preview.
0: Harry, please give me a score prediction. Oh, I'm on the spot here because you know, I usually go at the end and let you two run away with your predictions and then I'll just kind of like jump around the middle, but I'm up first. Uh, I'm going to go with 3-1 Newcastle. Um, I think Forrester will go 1-0 up. I think they'll go 1-0 up inside the first 10 minutes, but I just think our quality will show our fitness levels, which is something I've not been able to say about this team for a long, long time. Um, And that Premier League quality will kick in in the last half an hour or so. So, yeah, 3-1 home win and an all-round good day out.
1: This is really interesting what you've just done there because you've done the opposite of what happened to us at at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Like, brand spanking new day, the atmosphere's there, like, the occasion's there. Ah. Went ahead in the first 10 minutes. We started losing our minds and then got beat 3-1. Like that uh, that yeah, is what exactly was the same happened. there wasn't
0: it? It was like the, the crowd was up. They scored, we scored early, and then their quality showed, and the you know they ran away with the match. I mean, it was three two in the end. I mean, I think a lot of people forget uh, about that that late goal, but uh, yeah, there's definitely some links between the two there. A hundred
1: percent. I I'm completely ignoring your prediction, and I'm going straight to no. I think we'll we're, good we'll dominate from start to finish. I I honestly, Forest are going are to be a, a weird side this season, and they'll have some highs, and they'll have some definite lows. This will not be one of them. Um, this is where they kind of get caught deer in the headlights, and Newcastle Uniteds just roll on, and there's no real story about it, and we're probably on second last on match of the day, unless there's a nil-nil or something. Like, I must say, I am surprised
0: there's... that um, no TV companies picked up this game. To be fair, because I think Forest being back in the Premier League is a is a is a huge thing. Their first game back, and you know Newcastle are probably one of the most high-profile clubs in England, probably the most talked about in the media. So I'm really surprised this game is not on the telly, but uh, I think everybody will be looking forward to match of the day that night and hopefully uh, three points for the two. 100%. And
1: uh, obviously we, we'll possibly be back and definitely be back next week to um, come back and absolutely laugh at our predictions <laughs> and Dan go, why did you predict that? We Now we got beat and this is not happening. Um, but... Not just the Nutland Forest Preview, this is also the Season Preview pod, because as we have already said throughout this podcast, it is being filmed before the season starts. So, Harry, throughout the Season Preview, we did this, me and you, last year, and um, I went back and listened to that episode, and both of us had Joe Willock to do absolute bits (laughs) and be brilliant. Um, Near the end of the season he was, and under he was great, but yeah, it wasn't the best of predictions. Nope, wasn't the best prediction. So we're going to have to do a little bit better than that. Although, we we both undershot on our predictions last season of where we were going to finish. Finish, um, I said 14th and you said 15th. And we ended up obviously not
0: finishing in either of those positions.
1: So um, for a season preview, where do you think
0: Newcastle United are going to finish? The Bruce era took its toll on all of us last year. I mean, 15th, to be fair, was ambitious <laughs> when you think of last season. Uh, certainly a lot more ambitious this season, this time round. Uh, I certainly think we'll be in the top 10. I mean, you look at the form to the back end of last season, I mean, Newcastle essentially were a, a top four side for that end running of the season. They didn't let up. They were you know solid as a rock at home. Yes, they, they got... Thumped off some you know teams in the you know inside the Big Six, but they were winning against all the teams around them away from home as well. And I think it's going to be more of the same this season. But it's a long campaign. My only concern is that I just don't think the squad is big enough. And when you do get a few injuries, which we will, um, we we kind of go from a side that's a solid top ten pushing towards Europe to a side that's a that's a bottom half with a few injuries. That's my only concern. I mean, look. The, the transfer window. We've got another month. We might sign two amazing players before the end, of this may change. But I'm going to take stock of what we've got now and where I think we would finish with this squad. Uh, I think eighth place. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think would be would be classed as a success for Eddie Howe. It's improvement on last season. We're not fighting relegation, which I'm sure we'll all you know we're all going to enjoy. And but we are going to miss out in Europe. And I think the only reason we would miss out at this stage is just that I think with West Ham. And Declan Rice still being at the club and the window that they've had so far, I just think they're a little bit ahead of us in terms of personnel. But, you know, they have got Europe to contend with again this season. If that takes its toll, you never know. But I think top 10, um, eighth for me.
1: The really funny thing is I have the exact same placing um, on my overall Premier League table that I uh, tweeted out earlier today um, to like predict the entirety of the Premier League um, and I actually have Leicester City finishing above us, even though um, I, I, I slated them earlier on the podcast I still have them finishing above us Brendan um, Rodgers, manager of the season absolutely, he's unbelievable he's incredible, but I, I think we'll finish um, in exactly that same position um, and it was Crystal Palace that I had finishing below us because I really like some of the signings they've made um, and I think pitch Patrick Vieira is the perfect person to kick them on, but no, um, we will miss out on Europe. Just um, it might be a last day antics or a last few games because um, our end of season is a little bit brutal, um, and it's not exactly the easiest one in the world, um, as we have all discovered. Newcastle very rarely get an absolute easy shake of the no. draw with <laughs> us in the last what four or oh, the last yeah the last five games. Um, is Southampton, Arsenal Leeds, Leicester, Chelsea. it's so, not too bad, like, you know. It's, it, it's not too bad, but Arsenal are going to be fighting for that top four. Yeah, they're are not gonna gonna be last in a time. Position <laughs> to us. Uh, Abs, cheese, oh, Louise. Yeah, forgot about the that. The good thing about this um,
0: this season is, and, and this group is, you know, they'll fight to the end. We've got thirty eight yeah. games. We're going to look to win thirty eight games. So that that's a big bonus, and just the fact we're not going to be fighting relegation, and you're not pinpointing games. Already going Oh, that could be a relegation showdown on the final day of the season. It's going to be nice I just it's going to be a good ride and yeah it's ex- This is exciting. I've never been so excited for a Premier League season in in my living memory supporting this football club So that's great
1: That's always exactly what we want now. The, the really fun ones. Um, we do a little cue um, predictions of players that we think are going to be really, really great throughout the season. Um, So, Harry, again, I'm putting you on the spot because normally you would go last. Um, Most important player of the
0: 2022-23 season in a Newcastle United shirt, please. Uh, Bruno gamer I don't think I really need to elaborate on this one, but I will for the select few that don't understand this selection. Um, Truly not far off a world-class footballer. I think he would start. I think he'd get into Liverpool's team. I think he'd be knocking on the door of Man City's team. He could play for any club in the world. I think he's genuinely that good. And Newcastle United are lucky to have a footballer that's not just a a great character off the pitch and someone that's integrated into the team so well, picked up English so fast, but is a phenomenal footballer that can do everything. And if Newcastle can keep Bruno fit they're going to have a chance in every single game this season. So, yeah, that's my shrine to our favourite Brazilian. You know, not far after Linton, of course.
1: Mine's a little bit different th- uh, this season. Um, I'm going to say Sven Botman. When was the last time we truly had borderline world-class centre-back? Jonathan Woodgate? Jonathan Woodgate, and that was only for about six months. So uh, yeah. That was six months. So, I-, I would say it was probably him. And that is what Sven Botman is. You saw the class against Bill Bilbao when he played uh, that game. That I, I can't through, remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even against Ben I can't as remember. well,
0: do you remember the, the slide tackle he put in last man? Because Lassell's it got was, caught uh, and he was, yeah. Pin perfect.
1: And yeah. I think I, it is starting to become underestimated in the Premier League what having a top-class centre-back really does for you like it gets overlooked we, we talk about it all the time about how important Virgil van Dijk is yeah. and I'm not saying Sven Botman is exactly the same as Virgil van Dijk van Dijk's the best center back in the world Sven Botman is not anywhere near that goal from character but you look at the players of the like of Sven Botman Ruben Diaz for Manchester City um you have you can pick anyone Arsenal is probably the better the best of all opportunity I mean, Chelsea have Thiago um, Silva had Rudiger yeah I mean They've That's all it. got a linchpin, like, haven't they? Like a main anchor yeah. centre off. And Sven Botman is ours. I, I completely, completely think that. Um, Lester's is Wesley for Farner. We've talked about him already and how much of a
0: price tag he's saying. We've got this bloke for less than £40 million. Pounds. Here's an like, interesting let one let about just... Botman, though, Alex. I don't think he'll start on Saturday. I think Dan Byrne starts.
1: Harry, my man, no. I don't I think, think he starts. I mean, if you, if you
0: look at those 11s in the friendlies, and it was all played together. It was Pope, Trippier, Shaw, Burn, Target. I don't think he'll split that up ahead of the start of the season. I think Sven Botman might just have what Bruno had to do. He might just have to bide his time a little bit. He might not be ready in terms fitness, of the fitness. He might not be ready in terms yeah, of the fitness levels. I mean, if you look at the interview Craig Hope brought out, um, it was yesterday from Austria, and he was saying that he, he can't believe even how intense the training is. You know, there's no, you don't stop that sort of thing. I'm, look, he might start at the weekend and 60% chance he probably does but I really wouldn't be surprised if he didn't have to wait to start and they, obviously the
1: the interesting thing about the season as well is we've got the five substitute goal yes I think Elliot so Anderson that's it, a,
0: he's going to be a big benefactor of that isn't
1: he 100% and uh, he might not start um, like on the pitch but I think on Saturday we'll definitely see Sven Botman I think right, like, it, would, it wouldn't be right to have like all the home fans not see Sven Botman yeah, I agree. First game of the season, I he—he he definitely will play a part. Whether it's ten minutes, whether it's half an hour, we're—we're we, yet to see. We're—we're we're not there, but I, I definitely think he's going to be the most important player in Newcastle United this season. Bruno Guimaraes is absolutely phenomenal. Please don't uh, anyone anywhere comments Twitter wise. Do not peg me as anti-Bruno, please. Do not. No do one's that, anti-Bruno. I—I <laughs> think I think you'd get run out with this football club if you definitely said Bruno Guimaraes is terrible. You would, you, you don't deserve to. But you you mentioned Elliot Anderson there, definitely a candidate for the for the next category that we're going to discuss, which is the one to watch. Is he yours, or have you selected somebody else?
0: I'm going to go a bit left field because I feel it's quite a bit of a cop out, really. Because I think everybody will pick him. Said Ryan Fraser last year in terms of the injuries, and to be fair, I, I thought he I thought he had a good season in terms of you know when he was fit. I thought you he, he think he's really really good. I think a lot of people have forgot how good Fraser is, and wouldn't surprise me if he started if he is fit. Um, against Forest but this time I'm I'm actually going to go for Nick Pope for the one to watch I just think that he is coming to this football club to to get himself into that World Cup squad with England the only way he's gonna get that is if he's starting every week and if you starting every week it means he's better than Martin Dubravka and Martin Dubravka is a pretty good goalkeeper I think if you look at the back end of last season with Burnley and to be fair the whole time he's been there he's a top-class goalkeeper that single-handedly kept them in matches and I think the only weakness, one of the only weaknesses of that Newcastle side last season, other than, you know, going forward, um, was was in between the sticks and Debravka, yes, a phenomenal goalkeeper on his day, but he was prone to a mistake. I just think with Pope, I think he's a real safe pair of hands and I mean, even in some of the friendly games, he's pulled off some worldly saves, and I just think that he's going to have a huge season and maybe even knock on the door to, to take Pickford's England number one spot. But I certainly think he's going to get himself in that squad, and that is going to come from a, a great season at, at Newcastle.
1: How funny would that be that Nick Pope takes Jordan Pickford's first? That number one spot in England. I don't think he will, but United. I certainly think he will. Playing he'll be in for Newcastle United. Oh. Jordan Pickford has to watch a Newcastle United football player take his spot in that England number one dressing room. Ah, oh, that would be amazing. Oh, man. And Nick Pope lifting the World Cup. Nick Pope and Kieran Trippier lifted the World Cup in uh, Christmas Eve. Yes. Inject it right here. Give me that right now. Um, I think mine is. Mine's a little bit different and I like I didn't I I didn't suggest it but everybody knows my love for this footballer on this podcast Emil and Kraft. Anyone that anyone that <laughs> anyone that says it. That's Dan's one to watch. Uh, like anyone says it. Dan's one to watch is Emil Kraft. That's it. His one to watch <laughs> is Emil Kraft yep. Um it's uh, Miguel Armoron. He's had a great pre season. We've already discussed that. I mean, to
0: be fair, mate, ever since Jack Grealish um had that drunken little <sighs> thing about him on camera, he's been Generational, hasn't he? To be fair, so <laughs> did, did you see the tweet
1: of um uh, that Miguel Almoron, um, like there were people claiming um and asking for him to sign? Oh, I have
0: seen this, I mean, we'll not get into what was said, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have seen that. <laughs>
1: um, and he went over to the two lads that said Grealish is rubbish on the bottom of it, yeah. not in so many words, there's a lot more crude did you see The one it, about is but... um,
0: apparently Grealish was playing friendly and there was some Paraguay teammate of Almoron's, like crunched him. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, I've seen the, like, the video of it's unbelievable as well because like, all, uh, all of the Man City players are, are looking at who it is and then they see the, that it's the power Paraguayan guy and they're kind of like, oh, right, yeah, okay, Jackie deserved it. Um, and who was it that came out this morning um, for England? England caps and say, the biggest Mona is Jack Grealish. Um, uh oh, it was somebody in the England in the England camp said that Jack Grealish is definitely the biggest moaner as well. So yeah, and Jack Grealish on this podcast for Miguel Almoron, He's gonna have a good season this season. And what what is a good season for Miguel Almoron?
0: Six goals, six assists. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, his output so far since he's come to the club has been pretty disappointing. I mean, I think he's only got like, would he get like one goal last season or one or two goals last season? No assists. So, I mean, he's definitely yeah. going to have to improve his output, but as long as he's a positive figure on this team, and, you know, it, it even means that the club, there's not much of an emphasis to go and sign a winger if he turns up. Do you know what I mean? Because Fraser, St-Maxim and Almiron, if, if they have all three of them, you know, they all can't start every week. So, yeah, I, I certainly think he'll have a good season, um, but he's got to improve his output. And, it, you know, if he can do what he's done in pre-season, then that's absolutely going to happen. Because what he's done in pre-season is different to what he he did last season.
1: In pre-season, he's been cutting in a lot more, like off the wing, and he's kind of played a number 10 role from the midfield as well. But what we saw last season is him trying to stick back out wide, either running behind, which he can do because he's got his phenomenal pace, but he doesn't have any output or end product on that far side. He can't cross a football. He cannot cross a football. Don't get Miguel to cross, he can't do it. He can pass, but he cannot cross, so don't get him to do that. But him cutting inside and curling balls into the top corner or getting behind a fullback that's particularly slow, I think he'd probably do that over the weekend against Forrest. But any any form of that, and you're going to have a different Miguel Amoron. And his smile is so
0: nice, man. He's such a nice guy. He really is. Um, He's got to kick on this season, really, Alex, hasn't he? He's 28 now. If he's going to make it in Newcastle shirt, he's got to make it this season. Because I feel if he doesn't, then he's probably staring down the barrel of leaving the club. So it's a huge, huge year for him. But what we've seen is we've seen natural gains and natural improvements from nearly all of the players in this squad since Eddie Howe arrived. So hopefully Almiron can reap the rewards of that, you know, this season and, and really, really kick on. And kick on, he
1: shall... Uh, just as we will kick on to next week. Um, Harry, thank you ever so much for uh, letting me host, first of all. Um, again, <laughs> no off. problems. I mean, were, it's uh, nice little switch were, up this really week. Nice. might do this
0: a little bit more often, but uh, nice to not be in the hot seat for once. So now I really, really enjoyed it. And good job mate. and a great job hosting this one. Thank you ever so much. And
1: uh, You guys have done a great job uh, listening to this far and it has been grateful to be here. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been... Time Warp, Vavre UK's very own Newcastle United podcast in association with the Sports Social Network. We will catch you next week, where hopefully we'll be celebrating three points of Newcastle United. Until then, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say...